Welcome to another edition of the Scout Team Podcast. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and this is episode five, I believe, of the Scout Team Podcast, maybe five or six, but this time we're going to be breaking down the East-West Shrine game, one of my favorite all-star games to go to because of the laid-back atmosphere, a lot of good talent, a lot of opportunity to get great interviews with players and also coaches, but you know, it, it, it takes place next week, Monday the 16th through the 21st. Uh, then after that, we have the, the Reese's Senior Bowl as well. But always when I'm going down there, I love to to interact with other analysts, other writers, um, our own colleague in Teron Davenport who joins me on this call. But at first, you want to be sure to follow me on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. Follow Teron on, on Twitter at TDavenport underscore NFL. Um if you want to catch this podcast or any one of our podcasts, again, you can find it archived on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast. You can also check out and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash footballgameplan. And don't forget to follow our FBGP Scouting Twitter handle at FBGP Scouting, where we will put out all of our scouting reports throughout the course of draft season and also post our scouting report videos as well. So be sure to follow all those things. And also Facebook, Instagram is Football Game Plan uh, as well. But Teron Davenport is a guy that has done a lot of work in this game, a lot of skins on the wall as well. And uh, Teron, thanks for joining the call today, and I appreciate you taking time, man. Oh, you know, this is a mandatory thing. This is what we do every every year. You know, like you said, the laid back atmosphere. I love it. And it's really cool to be able to actually be on the field and, uh, you know, be right on top of the drills and things like that. So I'm uh, I'm addicted to this East West Shrine week. That's for sure. And we had a great time last year, man. We I think we cleaned up last year as far as uh, reports, interviews, uh, updates from practice. I think we really ingratiated ourselves with that shrine game staff to where they were looking for us to do more stuff uh in addition to what we were already doing for football game plan yeah for sure if you remember that there were guys that were being brought over to us that we didn't even request the interview and then it was cool to get the coaches you know got to talk to terrence mathis and that was a, a great conversation man you know sam madison it, it was cool talking to the coaches interacting with them and and just getting their perspective on some of the prospects as well you look at a guy like Geronimo Allison, who's excelling for the, the Packers. He's someone that we discovered when we went down there. You know, he really stood out. So it's always good to be able to do that. Especially when you know what you're looking at, man. And that element of analysis and scouting has definitely taken you far, man. And I just told everybody where to follow you on Twitter. But I didn't do a great job of truly <laughs> letting the people know what is it that you do and what you have going on. So why don't you tell the folks out there where are you now and where they can find your work? Yeah, you can find my work. Uh, I'm actually an Eagles beat reporter for USA Today. The the site is called The Eagles Wire. So you go to the eagleswire.usatoday.com and it, you'll definitely get a, a unique perspective, you know, uh, from a X and O standpoint, just a general analysis and, and reporting mixed in as well. So you can definitely check that out. Uh, I'm also on CSN, Philadelphia, the Comcast Network and we do uh, Sportsnet Central every Friday during the season. I, I do a couple segments there talking about the Eagles and draft season. I mean, it, it's going to be a, a lot of draft stuff going on. Obviously, our talking with TD segment, you're, you're going to get, you know, guys like Pat Mahomes, Jamal Williams, and more. And then uh, I'll also be on uh, BGN Radio, which is on WIP 94 AM in, in 
in Philadelphia, and that's going to be on Saturdays between 4 and 6. Man, you are all over the place, dude. You also go to the road games of the Philadelphia Eagles. I had the pleasure of chopping it up with you at a few Eagles games, Eagles yeah. Giants and Eagles Packers. So, you know, we always collab on, on different projects and things of that nature. So it's good to see you doing your thing um, with the Eagles. And I know you've done work with the Ravens. And so now you're just starting to slowly move up, and now you're on TV, man. I think I don't know if they're ready for TD on TV. That, you know what? That may be a new show for you, man. TD on TV. I love it, man. Yeah, you know, you, you got to bring the bow tie swag, man. You know, I got a little little running joke with, with Malcolm Jenkins about the bow ties. And it's funny, man. You know, they, they love the uh, the attire, you know, when you put it together. Uh, when I went to the Ravens game, I was down there and uh, I went into the locker room afterwards and, and they asked me if I came straight from church. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, well, that that shows how clean you are as a well dressed analyst, not looking like you just got jumped on a train. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat the shovel, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> well, I know we're gonna be laid back down in uh, the East West Shrine game. You know, it's mostly like we're dressed like coaches and athletes down there. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a it's a lot of fun. We won't have to be well dressed. We won't get well dressed probably until the Senior Bowl media night. Then after that, it's back to like sweats and and uh, coaches gear and stuff like that. So we have to, you know, we, we won't embarrass the fans and, and other analysts too much uh, this All Star stretch. But looking at this 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 roster, um, we're gonna start with the East team because they break it down between East and West team. But bef before that, Teron. You know, I, I played running back at Louisiana Lafayette. You was a receiver at Delaware State and also Cheney um, in the PSAC. Uh, and so we, we tend to look at things from from our perspective. You know, I, a lot of times I take a little bit more extra attention, even with all positions, but more, more in particular, I pay close attention to uh, the running back position. And I know you do with the receiver position as well. Uh, what is it about your philosophy that you take with you each and every time you check out a prospect. Well, when I, especially in, in these type of settings, the the you know the All Star games where you're watching the practice, I, I always take into account just what it is that we're watching. It is practice, and a lot of times, even during training camp and at, at Eagles practice, you know you see a guy drops a football, and all of a sudden everybody's tweeting it and, and writing it down in their notes. First and foremost, I don't take any notes. You know, it, it's all store mentally and that's just a part of just what happens when you've played the game you just have that recall so that's something that I always take into account but you have to put yourself in that situation to understand you know different things that could go on at practice that may not allow a player to go to his full potential you know so it's really just the ability to relate having played the game that's the main thing I take into account but then I also just just watch you know there's certain traits that you like in, in players like for receivers, cornerbacks, uh, linebackers, and we're going to talk about a linebacker later that I, I see this in. There's certain traits that I look for, and, and even when I talk to them, you know, you want guys who have that type A personality, guys who, who have that, you know, that fire when they talk. You want to see someone light up when they discuss football, especially a quarterback. So those are some of the things that I look at just, uh, you know, beyond what you're seeing on the field because anybody could watch a guy, you know, make a quick cut and, and accelerate away from the defense. You say, hey, he's a good running back. But when you watch, like what we talked about last year, when you watch their eyes and their feet be on the same page, like with Daniel Lasko, you see a guy 
who really understands the position but is physically able to do things that a lot of other running backs aren't able to do. And that is what I call the advanced scouting. And, you know, what's interesting is that when you brought up Geronimo Allison, we were talking about this uh, during that time. It was like, man, this guy running these routes from Illinois is smooth. He's he's very, you know, he understands spatial awareness. He's he knows where his hands are. Um, And but a lot of but when people that were also there watching practice, they may look at a guy that's jumping up, making a catch, making a grab and. And we noticed that little nuance in his game to where he ended up being the best performer that week in the game and got the call up to the senior bowl. And I think that's something that if if you are focused on the right things, you can pick up the guy that may not be standing out in practice from a flash standpoint, but one that's been consistent and putting it out there on the field each and every time he's out there. Yeah, and even just to extend it further to a guy that played a position, neither one of us played or wanted to deal with the defensive tackle. You look at Javon Hargrave. Now, obviously, there were people who had the late pass, you know, and and, and later on they were able to see what he was able to do. But if you remember that first practice, you know, just watching him and, and Victor Ochi also, watching those guys in the drills, not in the team practice. Because once they went to team, you saw the two of them just dominated. Coach was ready to shut practice down because he couldn't do anything. But in, in the individual period, you saw these guys, their agility, you know, their ability to get off the football. Those are things that you have to look at. And we were able to tell in just the drills that these guys were going to be good. You obviously had already known about Victor Ochi and told me about him, but I became a believer when I saw him in those drills. And that's what I like about this whole all-star circuit. It gives you an opportunity to catch up on prospects that you may not have seen all season long. And and for me, it's about, um, you know, just just – getting a lot of information because I used to be able to get out to a scouting game every maybe sometimes two to three games per weekend. Uh, But this particular year, you know, with my broadcast schedule, I haven't been able to get out to as many games Um, because I'm every week I'm either broadcasting a game for one network or I'm not. And and so when I don't, I'm at a game. Um, So I've seen a lot of these guys on the list that we're going to talk about and, uh, and so I'm going to now that obviously broadcasting season is over for me, it's about locking myself in the film room and studying these prospects. And I can't wait to get started. One guy in particular we talk, we're going to talk about, um, we start with the East team here, out of your neck of the woods in Philadelphia. I'm a big fan of Penn's quarterback, Alec Torgerson, and I've been talking about him since last year. Now I'm just glad that he is in this all-star game, getting an opportunity to showcase his skills because I think he's a tremendous talent and has that that arm that people talk about to really shrink the field. So um, when you look at the East team, let's start with the offensive side of the ball. I just talked about Torgerson. Who's a guy that stands out to you the most as someone you're excited to see? Well, when I look at the East team, one of the guys that stands out that I can't wait to watch is, is going to be one of Torgerson's targets, and that's Stacy Coley. He's a guy that just in watching him, I like how he's able to get those yards after the catch. And we talked earlier about that type A, that that hunger, and that type of uh, personality. It shows in his play. So I'm looking forward to interacting with him and just you know getting his take on, on the game. And uh, you watch, you know, he's a, a yak specialist. You know, they they run him on that reverse too. And I really like the way he adjusts to the football. Also, a lot of the the catches that he had to make. You know, he, he had to kind of fade to the football, slow down, and, and, and go up and get it. 
from throws from Brad Kaya. So I, I want to see how he's able to interact with quarterbacks like Turgeson, excuse me, Torgerson, as well as Cooper Rush. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that receiver position. I'm also excited to see Rodney Adams. I've seen him twice uh, live last year versus Maryland um, and this past season versus Temple. And he, I was just impressed with how quick he is off the ball, in and out of his breaks, within his route. He can go deep, intermediate, or short. Um, I think he has good all-around game. I, in, in my opinion, I think he has the potential to be this year's version of Geronimo Allison. And, I mean, when you look at these two tight ends, there's two tight ends here that are on this list that I, I'm familiar with. Uh, obviously, I, I dig a little deeper than most. But Eric Salbert of Drake is one of the best tight ends coming out the FCS this year. Um, Drake utilized him uh, as more of a, a, a Y-type uh, flex tight end. Um, he won a lot of battles one-on-one -on -one as a receiver. I'm wanting to see more of him blocking, especially in the step-up and talent athleticism department against the competition he's going against. But I know his receiving skills are unquestioned. And a guy from Canada and Anthony Auclair from Laval, which is Laval is the Canadian college version of Alabama. They are consistently in the Vanier Cup, which is their championship game. And, and he's a guy – they don't use, utilize a tight end per se – um, in Canadian football and Canadian college football, it's more of a bigger wide receiver like a like a Salbert or someone like that. So I'm interested to see how well he does from a blocking standpoint. But when you put on the tape and watch him run routes, you you see why he's in this all-star game. So is there anyone else offensively that you're excited to see? Yeah, offensively, uh, I'm going to also look at Davion Smith, you know, the bigger running back. Uh, watching him, you know, he kind of reminds me of a LeGarrette Blunt type. You know, he has the ability to pull away. But I just want to see just, you know, his footwork. Uh, I like to see that with the bigger backs. We want to see, you know, them be put into situations that they normally aren't put into because that's the other thing I like about this. You have a coaching staff who never worked with the player, so they're going to put them in different you know, situations, whereas like, you may see him run more stretch plays. You may see him run more toss plays. So I want to see his ability to to get outside. I mean, obviously, that's not going to be a specialty in the league, but that's what I want to see out of a guy like Davion uh, Smith. Yeah, he's a big guy, too, at 5'11", 228. Um, Elijah McGuire, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about a fellow raging Cajun tailback mm -hmm. and, you know, probably the best tailback in football history you know so just because on the strength that he came from university of louisiana so i know his game is is top notch they don't recruit nothing but the best over there so but mcguire is a guy that started out as a great freshman phenom uh split time with uh a tailback over i forgot his i keep forgetting his name he played with the packers war number 46 so um it's tough to, to, to i always forget who he was paired with but he was outstanding as a freshman Came in as a sophomore, was just as outstanding, but had those nagging injuries that most mostly fast guys have as a sophomore and a junior. Um, you know, so he was forced to split time again. Uh, then came in as a senior, hoping to put it all together, but battled some injuries and also split time again. But in the process, he ended up as the all-time, all-purpose leader for, uh, not all-purpose, but rushing leader, second in on the list at Louisiana behind, uh, I forget the guy name now that just that just broke the record. This was like two seasons ago, a couple seasons ago. So, but McGuire has a lot of talent, and he can return kicks and punts, and also we know what he can do from a running back perspective. I think the biggest question he's going to have to answer uh, when he talks to scouts is about the nagging injuries, and that's something that you really can't control as a player. 
But I'm excited to see him get out there and compete. Hopefully he's 100%. Uh, their bowl game was, I believe, December 17th um, in the New Orleans Bowl, uh, which should be called the Louisiana Lafayette Invitational because they are always in the New Orleans Bowl the last four or five <laughs> years. But excited to see him get out there and compete. He's a good dude, dude, so I can't wait to talk to him as well. Um, looking at the defense on the East team, and, and there's a guy that a former LSU transfer – and Jeremy Cutra, uh, I thought once he left LSU, you think like guys wouldn't you just kind of like fall off and just you never hear of them again. But he went to Middle Tennessee and tore it up, and now he finds himself in the East-West game. Really good ball skills and a good technician as well. And he again stood out at Middle Tennessee State. He can just go there and fit in uh, after transferring from LSU. But defensively speaking, who are some of the guys that that you're looking to see? Well, the first guy that pops out to me defensively is a local kid out of Villanova, and that's Austin Calitro. And and I was watching a lot of Villanova just to to see the defensive end that they have. Um, uh, was it Tona? Tano Passio. Tano Passio. Yeah, here you go with those names, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was watching him, and you know it's crazy. We even I even tried to get you to help me to say it, and I couldn't say it. Tano Passio. That there it goes. But in watching him, a guy that continued to stand out to me was number 45, and that's Austin Calitro. And the thing that I like about him, and it goes back to another thing that I mentioned earlier about that that want to, that that type A personality, and, and that it came came out in his play also. And he's a guy that man, you know, he plays outside. They would loop him inside and have him blitz. You know, those interior gaps, really nice swim move. So I wanted to see him just move in space because you also, you know, you get a guy who could drop back into coverage. He did that and got a couple of interceptions. But just sideline to sideline and just the way he hits, you know, that's something I'm looking forward to. Like last year, the the linebacker out of out of Michigan, I, I forget his name, number 47. I remember his number, but he stood out right away when we watched him at the East-West Shrine game, uh, the practices. So I, I like to see these linebackers, especially, you know, during practice because – you know, these are the guys that, that, that you want to see just always around the football, even in practice. And that's something I think that we're going to have out of Calitro. So I'm looking forward to seeing him, especially being a local prospect. And I've seen this guy play about four or five times because I've been to a couple of Villanova games. He and Pan- Passigno are outstanding. And next year they got two tremendous defensive backs uh, as well. There's a safety and a corner. Uh, Malik Reeves is the corner. He's tremendous, man. He's an out, he's going to be one that's going to be in one of these all-star games as well. So excited to see him. Um, another linebacker just to talk about, Andrew King of Army. And I like these, these military programs because now I think with the ability to let these guys go and play pro ball without any restrictions uh, per se, like we mm-hmm. saw with Keenan Reynolds, um, yeah. they're gonna, you're going to see an upstick in talent going into the – uh, Naval Academy, going into West Point and Air Force. And so when I saw Andrew King, he's like your classic Mike linebacker, a guy that looks to to hit, a guy that finds the running back. You know what I'm saying? Not one of those wait-and-see type linebackers. Um, also, he's okay in pass coverage. So I, I think he has a legit shot to stick in the NFL, and it's good to see him finish out his Army career. I mean, he, this guy made solo tackle after solo tackle, in that ball game against Navy. And I was like, man, this guy's all over the place. And I was also at the game last year when, when Fordham beat them. 
And he had a couple of big one-on-one sticks versus a guy we're going to probably be talking about next year in Chase Edmonds, the running back of Fordham. Um, so King is very good one-on-one, in the hole, out in space, very sound in pass coverage. And I'm excited to see him get out here and compete and hopefully raise his stock to where, you know, we're going to see him playing a long time on Sunday. Um and keeping with that theme, as we move over to the West team, that military theme, there's another guy that's out there that I like at your position, uh, wide receiver Jalen Robinette out of Air Force. And I've seen him a couple of times. I saw him live versus Army, uh, I want to say maybe two seasons ago. And he's not just a, a tall guy that's just taking advantage of the wide open uh, coverage he's seeing after as a result of the option. He's a legit wide receiver, a big plate threat. Um, and he's 220, but I think he can also grow his game uh, and as far as get to maybe like 235 and play multiple positions for Air Force. So as we look at this West team, Teron, who are some of the offensive guys that are, that are standing out to you uh, that, that are someone that are must-see TV for when you get down there? You know, that's the thing, and we talked about this before uh, we jumped on here, and it, it, when I look at the West team, I mean, I'm really honestly going going here with a open book, like a, a unwritten pad. You know, I, I'm just going just to see who stands out when I watch him. I know uh, a guy that I definitely am interested in because I've heard him mentioned so much. And also you have mentioned him, you know, uh, this past week, Billy Brown from Shepard, a bigger receiver, you know, 6'4", 245. He looks to me like he's going to be more of one of those Y type of uh you know, flex type of options, uh, a guy, a move tight end. So I, I probably, if I had to pick one, it would be him. But really, I'm just going, just hoping that somebody stands out that I could kind of, you know, latch on to and, and look at throughout the week. Well, that's funny you mentioned Billy Brown because we have him on the show later on in this episode. So that's a, you've been doing a lot of great work in TV, man. You, you're setting up leads and teasers and, and things like that already, man. Like, <laughs> Like, but yeah, Billy, <laughs> Billy Brown is a, is a tremendous receiver. He'll join us later on in this podcast. Uh, but I look at Joe Williams, the running back out of Utah. I, I think he's probably one of the more underrated backs that no one is talking about right now, despite being dynamic in that Utes offensive attack. I think when you look at Utah, you can always trust someone in the backfield. You can always trust their offensive line, anyone within their front seven, or pr- practically anyone defensively for Utah. They turn out really good developed prospects and this was a guy that left the team earlier in the year I think four games in um, came back and was one of the top rushers in the country and dynamic just runs with an attitude I I like his ability I think he may be one of those sneaky call-up guys after this weekend and uh, Gunner Kill I mean Gunner Mm -hmm. Kill probably has at least 15 IDs college IDs because he's, I think he's been everywhere, you know, and he's <laughs> finally settled down at, at Cincinnati. But even then, when last year when he put together a solid year, when you had people talking about him as a as a quality quarterback prospect, he comes back this year and plays poorly to the point where he had been benched, you know. So it's like, what Gunner Kill are you going to see? And you want to see him string together some level of consistency. Uh, this you know next week in uh, St. Petersburg and, and Zach Johnson, the offensive lineman for North Dakota State, they they are probably the Alabama of the FCS, turning uh, yeah. out front seven prospects. Uh, we saw a guy in uh, Kyle Emanuel two years ago, defensive uh, like a defensive end edge rusher, 
do his thing at the East-West Shrine game. He's now doing great things with the San Diego Chargers. We saw uh, the Miami Dolphins draft another, but he was in the Senior Bowl, but um, draft another guy from North Dakota State along that offensive line. Joe Haig played in the Senior Bowl last year as well. Um, right. You know, so Zach Johnson is next in line of top Bison offensive linemen. Now, defensively, is there anyone that, that, that you are particularly interested in? If there's one guy, it will be uh, Treston DeCout. I can never pronounce these names. But uh, anyhow, you know, he's the, the younger cousin of a former Falcons uh, safety. And the thing that's interesting to me about him is, you know, he used to play receiver. So I want to just see him in the one-on-ones. I want to see how he's able to to use that to, to play defensive back. But, you know, looking at this, uh, this whole West team, like I said, this this is something that you know I'm just going to go in there and just say, okay, somebody impressed me. I mean, Hardy Nickerson's son, I, you know, you obviously want to look look at that as well. But it, there's not really anybody. I'm, I'm going to rely on you with this one, to be honest with you. Yeah, and, and it's it's tough because what's sad is that you see these rosters get pilfered by the Senior Bowl. I mean, you, I came in looking to see how both teammates of Youngstown State were going to handle. Uh, themselves this week and also the offensive line that they're going up against in Derek Rivers and Avery Moss. Avery Moss is a former Nebraska Cornhusker. But just yesterday, Rivers was pilfered and now going to the Senior Bowl. So now you just will have Avery Moss in this ball game, who's not a bad consolation prize. I mean, he's 6'4", 269, a really good defensive end. You'll also like another receiver as well, Kyrell Hamilton of Sanford. You're going to like him a lot, man. Um, he's a tremendous wide receiver. They just pulled him from the college gridiron showcase, so they was able to snatch a guy from the showcase or from the NFLPA game and throw him in the East-West Shrine game. Um, but, yeah, Moss is a guy that that it was the – there were two really good bookends at Youngstown State, Rivers and Moss, and, and Moss got just as much attention as Rivers. So both guys will be drafted. Both guys are outstanding edge rushers. And in the secondary – uh, since his high school days, I've been very impressed with Leon McQuay. Now, obviously, his career didn't take off like Sewell Cravens. Um, Sewell Cravens was a little bit more versatile than what he could bring to the table, but I like Leon McQuay. He had a big interception in the Rose Bowl against Penn State, but he is a guy that, that you saw as a high school player. Um, you know, obviously, he has the pedigree with the McQuay name down in Tampa, played at University of Tampa, uh, one of the best players in the CFL. Uh, his, I think it's his grandfather, great-grandfather, someone like that. Uh, or I think it may be his grandfather. Um, but he is he is a tremendous high school talent. Got to USC, developed properly um, to the point where he was a starter for two years. Got good ball skills. He's a very sound tackler. Uh, and I think he has coverage skills. He's going to be in the mold of that Aaron Williams type that we've seen for the Buffalo Bills. But I, I like Leon McQueen. I think, you know, when you get guys that have developed properly over the course of their collegiate career, you should you should be in for uh, a, a very good talent overall. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I mean, I, you mentioned McQueen. I totally forgot about the interception he had in the Rose Bowl <laughs> as, as recently as that happened. But, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I, I want to ask you, what ha, have you watched Oklahoma State? Because because I have heard I heard of Lampkin before, but I, I'm not too familiar with him either. Yeah, I, I've seen Oklahoma. When I watch Oklahoma State, I've always been drawn to their defensive line. I think they're very good up front defensively. So I haven't watched in depth to have a have an opinion on their corner. 
Uh, but I do know their defensive line helps out their back end. So I, I'll, that'll be something that I'll be watching when I get down there. And as you know, we go through the whole draft process, pouring through the film. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen much to really have an opinion on their corner. I could lie yeah. to you and be like, oh yeah, he's a solid guy. You know, you know how some cats do, they be lying, you know what I'm saying? They seen everybody, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned you'd be you'd be like, Yeah, uh, can you tell me about Kevin Washington from uh Oregon <laughs> Community College? <laughs> and it's oh yeah, you know, they give you the whole rundown. <laughs> right. And, oh, yeah, and then af- after they after they do that, you say, you know, I was just playing. That's no real prospect. <laughs> oh, it sounds like maybe I got confused with the other guy that with the same name. They're like, right, man, get out of here, man. But that's just a part of being real with it. You, you know, if, if there's a guy you haven't seen before, then you just admit it. I mean, there's so many. There's no way to know every prospect, right? There's no way, especially with all these all these games. And that's the whole beauty. That in itself, in addition to the hands-on access, to the prospects. That's what I love the most about this East West Shrine week, because like I say, you go down there and you see, remember I left, you know, really liking uh, Teddy Karras out of uh, Illinois too, the guard. And, mm-hmm. and that's what happens. You go down there and you see, you see guys that you didn't really even pay attention to, you know, previously. And, and here it is. They're really good players. So that's the fun part about going down there. And that's why I'm looking forward to, especially at this West practice just going there with an open mindset, not having, you know, anybody in particular that, that I want to watch, but just like, okay, who's going to stand out to me? And, and you know what? And now that it, we, we talked about it, this is why I like going on there as well, because we do get to interview the coaches. And with the new initiatives that the NFL now has a partnership with the East-West Shrine game, they're going to appoint NFL assistant coaches as head coaches yeah. and then build out their staff. So we got the two coaches, Brinston Buckner uh, will coach the East team, and uh, on the west side, we have George Edwards. So I want to get your thoughts on that new uh, direction and these two guys and what they could possibly uh, g- gain from coaching in this ball game. Well, I love the direction, actually. And it, you look at Bresson uh, Buck, Buckner. He's a guy <laughs> I'm really looking forward to, to interacting with him because I just remember him, you know, when he was in Carolina. And uh, he was very interesting. He did a lot of the stuff with uh, NFL Network also. So I can't wait just to to see him interact, watching him on Hard Knocks. He he was able to really uh, get through to the guys, uh, the defensive uh, uh, linemen at, at uh, Arizona with the Cardinals. So I can't wait to, to interact with him and, and, and just watch him with the players. But the thing that I really like is this gives a guy like, like him an opportunity just to see the overall planning and, and actually – do it, experience it. So it'll help him as he continues to move through the ranks. And I mean, this East West Shrine, this program, you know, having the guys in the past, you know, they were assistant coaches. You look at someone like a Keenan McCardell, who actually got his start in coaching NFL wide receivers at the East West Shrine in 2010, you know, and, and he's here he is, you know, one of the better receiver coaches out there. So I like that it gives these guys opportunities. You look at uh, George Edwards, I mean, he's someone that, that has been around for quite some time, you know, and, and he's working with Coach Zimmer out there in Minnesota. So, again, it goes back to what I said. It gives these guys an opportunity to do the overall game planning and, and just the, the planning that goes into a, a week of, of being the, the head man. So it's a good experience opportunity for these guys, and I'm really glad that they're getting that chance to go through it. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. That's what it's all about. And, and you know, hopefully the, the interview uh, process is still the same and laid back where we get to not only interact with the players, but also the entire coaching staff and grab some of those coaches. That's the only thing I'm going to miss uh, is that you, you, you probably won't have your uh, June Joneses anymore or your uh, Jerry Glanville's anymore. But, <laughs> you know, those are great interviews, man. But uh, you, you will get some NFL coaches and, and things of that nature. And guys that we either were coached by or played with that are now in the NFL and and then our coach, and so it'd be good to catch up with some of those guys as well. So, Teron, before we get out of here, take a break and come back with some interviews. We got two interviews coming up. Uh, one with Billy Brown, a wide receiver of Shepard. Both guys on the West Squad. Billy Brown of Shepard um, and Austin Recow of Idaho, the punter. One of the best punters in college football and a legit weapon on the defensive side. But before we go to break, Teron, thanks for taking time. Where can people find you on Twitter and where can they find your work and what else do you have coming down the pipe? Oh, yeah. Find me on Twitter at tdavenport underscore NFL. We got a lot of draft stuff coming. I mean, this is just the beginning. You're going to see us at East West Shrine. Senior Bowl will be there. We'll be at Pro Days. We'll be at the Combine. So, you know, this is the place where you need to go to get that that insight. And, and not only about prospects that everybody knows about, but as you saw it or, or heard in this conversation, prospects that a lot of people are not even aware of. So this is where you go, footballgameplan.com. Be sure to continue to tune in here. Uh, I could also be found at the eagleswire.usatoday.com, as well as uh, 94 WIP. You know, we have a show. Uh, four to six on Saturday. So tune into all that and we'll just keep doing what we do. Well, I can't wait to catch up with you in Chapel, with you down in St. Petersburg, Tampa area. You know, we got to bring in Gene. We got to bring in Chris James. We got to bring in the whole crew. Uh, we'll collab with Brandon as well down in Mobile, Brandon Howard of, yes, sir. Uh, you know, Dolphins Wire as well. So once the Voltron crew of scouting get back together, a lot of great things tend to happen. So uh, we'll, We'll catch up down in, in St. Pete. And, Teron, thanks for again joining us. And we'll be back after this break with some great interviews coming from two prospects playing in the East-West Shrine game. And we have here on the line now Billy Brown of Shepherd University, outstanding Division II program, uh, one of the best D2 programs that I've seen in the last five to 10 years, a couple of guys right now are playing in the NFL and Billy, I appreciate you taking time to join us today. No problem. Pleasure. All mine. Uh, anytime, man. And when you look at the fact that you're playing in a great bowl game, the East West Ryan game, one of my favorite bowl games out there, I really enjoy going down there each and every year. What was your initial reaction to getting the invite to the East West Ryan game? I mean, it was it was totally like it caught me off guard. Like my coaches, they told me they had a surprise for me that I'd be excited, and then they told me, and I just I didn't believe them until like I saw the envelope, and it still it just felt surreal until it still doesn't feel real until like I'm I'm in Florida. And the cool part about playing in that ball game is that you're going to see a bunch of different uh, players from around the country, FBS guys, FCS guys, uh, D2 guys. Um, some guys from Canada and things of that nature. And you're a bigger wide receiver, man. You're, you're at 6'4", about 245. And normally you'll see guys with, with your size and stature playing at a bigger school. 
So how did you end up at Shepherd, and what's that journey? How has that journey been for you to get to this point? I mean, um, I mean, I ended up here because I didn't uh, have the grades to qualify for D1 because, you know, I'd, early on in high school, I didn't do what I was supposed to do in the classroom. And then I spent, like, my last couple of years, like, busting my butt off just to, you know, be eligible to, to uh, play D2. So that's how I ended up here. Like, I, I took my visit to Shepard, and, and once I took it, I just fell in love. And, like, it's a good program. They win. So I was like, I want to spend my four years here. And the good part about that program, they've done a great job in developing talent. And like I said before, you got a couple of guys that are playing in the NFL, a couple of guys that should be in the NFL, like Isaiah Shelton, uh, offensive yeah. lineman. You know, so what what do you take away from your Shepherd experience, and how did they prepare you to get to this point to play in this All Star game? I mean, my time at Shepherd, you know, I've been I went through a lot there, like you know, ACL injury and stuff, and like battling back from that. A lot of the playoff runs, championship runs, and stuff. I mean, it was it was a great experience, you know. Uh, you know, it's bittersweet that it came to an end. And you know, Shepherd, they do a great job, you know, preparing you. And they got great coaches, uh, Coach Cater, you know, one of the most winningest coaches in college football. You know, Coach uh, McCook and all the. All the coaches down there, they do a great job position, like position-wise, like they teach you, you know, te the techniques and all that stuff. As you can see, you know, we have a couple of players in the NFL, should have more, but, you know. Yeah, and that's the deal, man. It's funny because you we, we tend to look at the, the draft from a from a uh, – and from a let's say a 360 view, we we go around the country, up in Canada, try to look at some guys overseas and things like that. So we don't leave no stone unturned. And I'm never shocked at the the talent that's at these other levels. Uh, and I think a lot of people are, and I, I just think that people don't understand how many spots are available at the major college level. So where you start to see talent decide, hey, this is a better option for me, or this may be the best option for me right now. What big misconceptions you think people have about Division Two football? Let's say just because you went to Shepherd. So, what what are some of the misconceptions you think there are out there about D two football? I mean, I feel like there's you know quite a few, but the ones that stand out to me is like I feel like you know people try to discredit what you do because you know where you play. Uh, they they try to say like there's no competition, but you know from what I've seen, you know there's been some great players in the NFL that came from smaller schools like Pierre Gasson and countless other players. Yeah, and the problem is is that you know a lot of people just don't know enough. I played at Louisiana Lafayette, and I used to always just be amazed at at people uh, being shocked at at. The, I mean, technically they'll call the school I graduated from a small college, you know, so it's just, it's weird because there's a ton of talent everywhere and people just don't know enough and people got to get familiar with the, uh, the talent that's out there and just do the work. And from your perspective, um, what would be your lasting impression or what would be the one thing you'll miss leaving Shepard? I just, you know, uh, just, just like the community, you know, the atmosphere, like it just felt like we were one, like it's a small school, you know, a lot of people that, you know, went to Shepard still like, around the area, and it's just like one big close group, like a big family. That's always, man. And the cool part about it is that, you know, you're about to meet some new friends, new family, 
um, and just expand that base. And, you know, that's the beauty about football. It tends to, to bring everyone together. You can talk to your teammates 10, 15 years from now, uh, and you're going to pick up right where you left off uh, at Shepherd. So it's always going to be those things you can't take back. Those things will stay with you for a long time. And I'm looking forward to seeing you down there and put in work at the East-West Shrine Game. And I appreciate you taking time talking to us today. Thank you. Appreciate it. No problem, man. Have a good one. And we're joined now by Austin Rickow, punter of Idaho, good old Vando player, Sunbelt Conference football player right there. I always have to give a shout-out to my Sunbelt guys. Uh, Austin, how you doing this evening? I'm doing good. How you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. It's great to talk to a Sunbelt guy and see more Sunbelt guys go out there and do their thing postseason. And you're going to the East-West Shrine game. Um, what were your initial thoughts on getting that invite from those guys? Uh, that, it was just extremely humbling. I, I was very grateful for the opportunity to, to continue to pursue uh, a career in football. And it's one of those. Uh, we were fortunate enough to go to a bowl game this year. So that was one more game that we are used to. And Knowing that I have one more, you know, guaranteed game uh, before it's all said and done is is definitely awesome. Being able to go out and play with some of the best around the country is something everybody you know kind of looks forward to. And and that's the biggest thing: going out and playing your best football against other uh, great competition around the country. You guys went out with a bang in that bowl game, beating the brakes off uh, Boise State. But I, I wanted to not Boise State. I'm sorry, but. Um, who do you guys play in that bowl game? We played Colorado State. Colorado State. On the blue turf, so I can see where you got that. Yeah, from. I got confused. It, but you guys did beat the brakes off those dudes. You guys jumped out quick and really uh, poured it on. But you had a great game that that uh, that game as well. And I think people are constantly not understanding how important or how valuable the punting game is, is what type of defensive weapon you are. What are some of the misconceptions you think – that people have out there about your position in particular? Uh, I think a lot of the times people just kind of see it as somebody that goes out and kind of tries to kick the crap out of the ball. Um, but really there's a lot more uh, of a technical aspect to it, getting it to do kind of what you want. Obviously you want to sky it up there as much as you can. That way they can't have a return, but it's also knowing uh, how it's kind of going to play. And so when we're, we're trying to pin people inside the 20, you'll see more of that end over end punt where you get that backspin and just to the outside observer, maybe watching on TV, you might not see it per se. Uh, but it is a big difference in the game because when you're able to, to set your defense up, you know, give them 95 yards to defend as opposed to, you know, 70, that's, that's a huge difference in a game. It just gives them even more confidence knowing that. All right. You know, the, if they get one play here, we're still fine. They still got another 80 yards to go. I think one of the best things that you do is you get great, height on your on your punts i used to return punts myself and i i can catch any type of punt whether it was end over end ones that turn over pretty quickly but ones that hung up in the air you kind of like oh my god like hurry up and come down so i can make something happen and that in turn makes you then have to make a decision which you're going to either fair catch it or you're going to get out the way call peter and let it bounce in and hopefully die inside the end zone uh, for a touchback but you get great height on your punts and I think that's something you've gotten better at doing over the course of your career. Do you think you've gotten better, and how have you gotten better uh, in that respect? Oh, I absolutely think that I've gotten better. It's one coming in as a you know young freshman. You're you're not obviously at your peak physical capabilities. I still don't think that I am now per se. Uh, but a big thing was 
just really stretch and getting that flexibility. I went from being able to kind of swing my leg up to about hip level. Now I'm, you know, kind of right in my, my face as I, as I kick and that hang time, like you said, makes it a lot harder on the returner. And we were fortunate enough to have some great special teams guys that, you know, made them fair catch it a lot because when you got a guy in your face, you don't really want to, you don't really want to return it and just get smacked. Right. You don't end up on somebody's highlight tape, man. And especially, you know, a kicking in the, uh, the Kibi dome is pretty interesting as well. I know that, there's a little room for error in the end zone, boy. You either catch that touchdown or you got to run smack into that wall. Right? Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> pretty, oh, yeah. pretty tough place to play, man. And you, you've done a good job out there at Idaho. And uh, what, what are some of your, your takeaways as you leave that program? What are some of your fondest memories of playing of being a Vandal? Uh, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, is that bowl game that you mentioned earlier. Uh, it had been seven years since we – uh, yeah, seven years since we were last in a bowl game, and to be able to kind of turn it around from where it was. I mean, we had issues with the APR where we weren't even bowl eligible to start the season to consecutive one-win seasons. And just, I mean, the main reason why I went there is I wanted to be a part of the the group that kind of turned it around and kind of changed the culture. And being able to walk out of there uh, winning that bowl game is something that I'll always remember, especially in the elements that we had to do it in when you got – an icy field, about 18-degree weather. Just one of those that will stick with you for the rest of your life. Now, if my memory serves me correctly, the last bowl games you guys played in was on the same field against Bowling Green, right? Yes, back in 2009. That's crazy, man. Certain things you remember, certain things you don't. But fast forward now to this upcoming week or next week at the East-West Shrine game. What do you want to go out there and show teams that you can do? Uh, I just want to be able to showcase my talents. I, I absolutely believe that I could could help improve a team's special teams, especially in the punting game and the kicking game. Um, but this is just an opportunity for them to see it. Um, where they're, I mean, they're looking for it now. It's it's kind of all eyes on that that week of practice. And yeah, it's kind of what I've been preparing for in a sense. Obviously, my main goal at Idaho was to win games, but now it's it's full throttle trying to to get a team to like what they see and being able to contribute to help an NFL team win games, hopefully next year. Well, I think a smart team will definitely take notice of not only what you put out on tape throughout your collegiate career, but what you're going to do out there next week in St. Petersburg. I've seen guys do a great job and end up getting drafted or end up getting called up to the senior bowl. So you just go out there and do what you've done all, all your, all your career and you should be in great shape, man. I really appreciate you taking time and look forward to speaking with you down in St. Pete. All right, looking forward to it. Thanks again for having me. So that's a wrap for this episode of Scout Team. Episode 7, previewing the East-West Shrine game. Want to send a special thank you to Teron Davenport, Billy Brown of Shepard, the wide receiver, and Austin Rikau of Idaho, the punter, both of which will be down at the East-West Shrine game. So thank those guys for taking the time coming on the show. Thanks to Ron for taking time and coming on to the show. And you guys out there listening, you can follow us on Twitter at FBallGamePlan, F, at FBGP Scouting. And don't forget these podcasts are archived on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast.